If I can't preach after that, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Amen. Let's give it up for these musicians and choir members. Amen. Every Sunday morning, 730 and beyond, <laughs> they are here in this sanctuary preparing. Of course, Steve and Angela, their preparation begins early in the week, and they, they work very, very hard to bring the best, and I said the best, amen, the best to this house, and I appreciate all the work that all of our musicians and, and Steve and Angela bring to this house, amen. Anybody love Jesus this morning? Mm. Glory. I want to go to the word of the Lord with you on this Sunday morning. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, looking at a fourth message in a series of five sermons on the giants and overcoming our giants, facing our giants. This morning we're going to look at the giant of deception. Now I'm reading the text this morning from the Message Bible and it's on the screen. If you have, you can go ahead and turn in your Bible if you'd like to do so. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 1 and 2. But before we read that verse of Scripture, those two verses together, I just want to share with you a story about a woman who had been trying for years to kind of persuade her egotistical husband to put an end to the idea that he and he alone was number one. <laughs> Some of y'all know that man, don't you? Yeah. The man was obsessed with being number one. He never stopped talking about being first in sales at his office and first on the list for the next promotion. He was a very competitive individual. He enjoyed playing tennis and golf, but only when he won. And he had to be first in line to buy tickets for a game and first to hit the parking lot after the event. The man's long-suffering wife watched with interest one day when he stepped onto one of those fortune-telling scales. You know what I'm talking about, the scale where you kind of drop a quarter in and you stand up on it. Of course, there's nothing to it, but anyway... He gets up on the scale, drops the quarter in, and out comes his fortune-telling card, which read, you are a born leader with superior intelligence, quick wit, and charming manner, magnetic personality, and attractive to the opposite sex. He said, read that, read that, handed it to her. She toned her over and said, and it has your weight wrong, too. We're going to talk about the giant of deception this morning. We've looked at the giant of intimidation, the spirit of fear, the giant of discouragement. Last week we talked about the giant of religion, but we're going to look at a giant of deception this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 from the Message Bible, which is on the screen over my head. Since God has so generously let us in, on what he is doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into an occasional hard time or hard times. We refuse to wear masks 
and play games. We don't maneuver or manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open and the whole truth on display so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. I want to go to that next slide. What causes deception? What causes deception? There are three things that I want to kind of cover in this message today. I want to cover what causes it, what results from it, and what we can do. Father, I pray this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit, guide my footsteps. Help me to speak only what you would have me to speak. I praise you for the insight of your Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts and opens up the intents of our hearts and of our spirit. And we ask you today in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would speak to us in this room. Help me today to communicate, Father, clearly what the word of the Lord is saying to us in this hour. We will honor you and praise you for what you do in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So what causes deception? Rather than us just kind of looking at it and saying, well, uh, the devil is what causes deception. I want us to look a little deeper. Rather than just saying, well, it, you know, I don't know if anybody remembers maybe back in the day, and I, there again, I'm 53 years old, and when, when I was really young, my dad pastored in the mountains of North Carolina back in the 70s, and I think it was on Sunday evenings. Flip Wilson came on. Anybody remember Flip Wilson? My mom and daddy would not let me watch him because he used this phrase, the devil made me do it. And my mom and daddy were so conscious of the deceptive nature and power of an adversary, they would not even allow us to open that channel up on that particular night and hear Flip Wilson say the only way that he could, the devil made me do it. I want to go a little deeper into deception rather than just saying, well, it's, it's the, the devil or it's our sinful nature, or the world that we live in. Maybe, maybe I should say it this way. What promotes deception in the life of a Christian? In other words, there's something that causes sometimes deception, things that cause or bring about deception in the life of a believer. James chapter 1 and verse 22 says, Don't, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Do what it says. Many Christians today need to realize if they hear the word or they know the word of God, but they don't obey the word of God, I'm literally opening the door of my life to deception. Why is it? Why is it that in the day that we're living in, I, and, and I was thinking about this this morning. I had to run a, an early morning errand that I forgot to do yesterday for Vicky, and had to run this errand. And on my way to the to uh, the CVS this morning to buy hairspray. Yes, I forgot to buy hairspray yesterday. 
in the midst of everything else that we've been doing over the weekend. And I was driving down New Hope Road, and just as I was making that turn into the CVS, and I was thinking about this morning's message and thinking about the service and, and where we are, and, you know, deception. Why is it that, why is it in the day that we live in that we, we find ourselves being challenged with this thing of if somebody looks at you and tells you something, you want to take it at face value. You want to believe that when somebody is talking to you, when somebody, and you trust them, and you've built a bond of friendship, and you've been through some stuff together, and when they look you in the eye and they tell you something, you want to believe it with everything that's within your heart because you have faith in that individual. You have faith in what they're bringing to the table in your life because you've been close to them. And so sometimes we find ourselves we find ourselves dealing with this this nature of deception and we find ourselves at a crossroads at times where we're heartbroken because well somebody told us one thing and they did another and it's not just what I'm talking about in the world. I'm telling you this kind of thing exists within the body of Christ today. It's amazing to me how that people can tell you one thing and turn around and do the exact opposite. And because of deception, because they are deceived in their own minds, they don't even realize it that they're being deceived. They don't understand that the God of this world, a lot of Christians need to realize if I hear the word, or I know the word of God, but I don't obey it. Here's the thing. When the spirit of God comes, like, oh, hallelujah, like we sang just a couple of moments ago, dealing and living in the supernatural. Listen, you don't sing a song like that and tell God you want the supernatural to work in your life unless you're willing to become compliant to his power and to his spirit so that when he deals with you, you turn from your wicked way. You turn turn from the spirit of deception and you begin to follow after the things of the Lord. When we don't obey the word, we open our lives to deception. You've probably heard it this, heard it this way before, but whatever the Holy Spirit is dealing with us about in the form of an issue do what the Holy Spirit is commanding us. Be obedient to the power of the Holy Spirit. There, there's, there is nothing more tragic than a person who thinks that they're going right only in the end to find that they've been going in the wrong direction. It was Plato who said, we can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. Listen, as a believer, you never have to be afraid of the light. My God, if you are where you need to be in Jesus, when the light of God is surrounding you, you don't have to be afraid of the light because whatever the light exposes, listen, what, what is he exposing? If everything's right, he's just exposing more light. And, and, and why men, why believers in this day and age are afraid of the light is a mystery. Another thing that, that can bring about deception in the life of a believer is not keeping a tight rein on our tongue. I didn't really expect to get a whole lot of amens. 
out of this series. I told Dickie, I said, Lord, I bet these people think I'm the meanest. Sometimes I'm just mean. I've been in the book of James on Wednesday nights, and, and we've been dealing. If, if, you, if you know anything about the book of James, you know that, that a lot of correction is in the book of James. And I've, I've, watched, I've watched my class in attendance do this. <laughs> just because. And I, you know, it could be for a, a number of reasons. But this is what, this is what James says. James chapter 1, verse 26 said, If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves and your religion is worthless. One who is religious, and this is not meant to be as as a negative term. It, It just means outward practices. If you don't control your tongue, what you literally do is, is, is being misled or it brings a seduction of your own heart. In chapter 3, James goes on and he tells us that the tongue has great power. He said, like a fire, it is a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It will set the whole course of your life on fire. Why is that, Pastor? Well, it's because it is hell itself that sets it on fire. If we're reading this correctly from James, this is what he said in James 3, 5, and 6 from the New Living Translation. And he said, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Proverbs 18 and 21, he says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I've read that scripture multiple times, hundreds of times in my walk with Christ. I've seen people take it out of context and I've seen people not give enough context to it. If you've ever been around somebody that was negative and that negativity began to come out of them, where where did it mostly come from? Thank you, Brother Larry. Comes from the tongue. Comes from our lips. One of the reasons why, hallelujah, I love it when the Holy Spirit makes something come together. That's why it's so important. You, 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 wonder, you wonder why this pastor emphasizes so much the praise of God's people when we get in a room like this because with the same, with the same tongue, with the same weapon that can, that can curse, that, that, can, that can be negative, that can, that can spread rumor, that can be a gossip meal. The same tool is something that the Lord says, uh, lift your voice like a trumpet. It, it's the same, it is the same weapon that the Lord tells us. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Well, the reason why the Holy Spirit seems to be uh, burdening our, our hearts in this day that we live in to, to be a worshiper, to be a praiser, because, I mean, let me tell you something. It's a whole lot easier in the day that we're in right now. It's 
a whole lot easier to grab a hold of the negative and focus on the negative and talk about the negative. And I'm not te- telling you stick your head in the sand. I'm telling you as a spirit-filled believer, you ought to be the praise of God ought to be on your lips. You ought to be magnifying the Lord every chance you get. You say, well, I'm not like you, preacher. I'm not loud like you. I- I'm not talking about you being loud like me. I'm talking about when you're walking through your house, you ought to be praising God. When, when that co-worker gets on your last nerve, you ought to be praising God under your breath. While you're sitting at your desk tomorrow, you ought to be praising God because he gave you breath in your body and caused you to get up and you're inhaling and exhaling the breath of God. Oh, hallelujah. I feel, I feel the Lord in this. You can talk about the negative. You can accent on the negative. He said the tongue is a small thing, but a spark from it can set a great forest on fire. Well, if that works, (laughs) then I can speak against my enemy, the devil, and I can send him to flight By declaring, oh, this ain't in the notes. By declaring the word of the Lord over my life, over the life of my family, over the life of the church. How God help me this morning. I can can begin to speak the name of the Lord in praise because death and life are in the power of the tongue. I remember several years ago when we lived over off of Union Road. And Vicki had gone to... A doctor, we had not even been in the home. We, matter of fact, we had just moved into the house. And she had a doctor's appointment. I didn't go with her that day because we didn't think there was going to be anything to it. She left her job, went to the doctor, sat down with the doctor. He had the bedside manner of Dr. Kevorkian. What do you mean, Pastor. I mean, he had nothing positive to say whatsoever. He was just as blunt. Say, well, you know, I, 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 I prefer people to be blunt. Yeah, but the enemy took that bluntness. And I watched the, the, the young lady that walked out of my house that morning. When she came back, she looked like she had aged about 15 years just by the countenance on her face. She walked into the house. I couldn't get her on the phone. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know what had happened. And when she walked in the house, Steve and Angela can testify to this because we were on staff together. We, we were working at Yorkwood Church of God. When she came into the house, I, first thing out of my mouth was what happened. And she began to tell me everything that that doctor said. And I looked at her and I said, the first thing we need to do right now is we need to stop and pray. And we need to pray this now, some of y'all going to fall out of the boat with me right here, but just go on and fall out of the boat. Just make sure you got your life preserver, okay? I said, first thing we need to do, we need to get this word curse off of you. We need to get it off of you. I said, let God be true and every man a liar. I'm not denying the fact that he's found something, but what I am saying is that the weight of those words have weighed in on your spirit so hard that you can't even see the power of God right now. She said, I can't pray. I can't pray. 
That's how heavy she was. I said, we're going to pray. <laughs> we started praying. Thank God we, we were involved in a church that knew how to pray. They were some prayer warriors. I'll never forget. <laughs> She's still living to this day. Still attends church over at Yorkwood. Billy Payne. I'll never forget sitting in her little breakfast nook several days after this incident. My faith was not shook. I can't explain it to you. She came home. She told me, he said, I got... I have scleroderma. He said, I have lupus. He said that my, my organs are going to fail. I mean, he painted the, the most horrible, horrendous picture to her. She, she's in her late 30s. I'm in my late 30s. And we're being told, well, there's really nothing we can do about this. There's nothing we can do to cause this progression to stop. And there's really no cure for it. At best, we can medicate it, but you're not going to live a profitable life. Winnie, it didn't shake my faith. I can't explain it. I cannot, ex I mean, I, it, it messed me up so bad that when I went and sat down with Billy Payne on this particular Friday morning, I, I called her and I said, I called the house and I told her daughter, I said, I, I hope that, I hope that uh, Miss, Miss Billy can have uh, visitors right now because I'm on my way and I'll be there in about five minutes. I mean, I just, I just showed up at their house, and I went in, and I sat down, and she said, what's, what's on your mind, young man? I said, I need to tell you something. I said, you've heard what, what's going on with Vicky." She said, yeah, we've been praying, and I'm telling you, I, I feel I have a peace about it. I said, it's messed me up. She said, what do you mean it's messed you up? I said, my faith is not shaken. I don't understand why. I'm not worrying. I don't, you see, because the natural thing is, when you get news like that, you start worrying. You start thinking about the worst things in life. It, you, you know, normally if somebody tells you your wife isn't going to make it, you're just kind of, in your mind, you're thinking, okay, how am I going to handle, how am I going to take care of three children? None of that even came into my mind. It's like when she walked in and said, I, this is what the doctor said. I just said, you know what, we need to pray. She said, I, I, I can't. I feel this weightedness on me, and I can't pray. Well, thank God somebody could at that moment. It just happened to be me that was able to pray. And I'm going to tell you, something the enemy of your soul will tell you that it's never going to get any better he will come with a spirit of deception and he will tell you your children are not going to serve God and they're never going to get off of drugs and they're never going to stop drinking and he'll tell you that nothing good is ever going to come out of your life but I tell you this morning that death and life are in the power of your tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof you need to Decide what kind of fruit are you going to eat? Hallelujah. You need to decide what kind of fruit you're going to eat. Why do we settle sometimes for the deception of the enemy that will tell us? Why do we just believe the negative instead of the positive of what God's word tells us? One of the things I really believe is this, since coming here. And the Lord gave me, boy, I'm way off script right now. When the Lord 
put into our spirit that we were making a transition. And even though I didn't know where it was I was going, the Lord said, you've got to change your mind about some things. You will be changing your mind about some things. But you need to change your mind anyway. <laughs> when my mother-in-law heard that, she started laughing at me. She just started, because she knows me. She knows me. I don't know. The other day I was, was thinking about this, and I, I was doing a devotion one morning, and I was reading through, and I thought to myself, I could see me 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Dear God, 30 years ago. <laughs> 23 years old and my mother-in-law trying to tell me something. And I would roll my eyes like my kids roll their eyes at me now. Like when we tell them something about parenting. You shouldn't do that. Really. I mean, they just roll the eyes, you know. And I could, I mean, my mother-in-law would tell me, she would say, you got this look about you. You have this look. Well, over the years, the last 30 years, I somehow have lost the look, but my boys have picked it up. Because when she says things to them, she goes, there's that Chris Kennedy look. You know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We all have to learn. She would try to help me spiritually. And I wasn't always wanting to receive the word. Because when the word comes to bring correction in your life, trust me, when I tell you that all correction, it, listen, all correction isn't bad. And I think we have this, this mindset with correction that, it, that it's got to be bad if it's correction. Well, no, not necessarily. Uh, I, you know, I corrected my children as they were growing up because I wanted, I wanted them to not be hellions. <laughs> and so I corrected them. And we're sitting in a restaurant one, one week, Quincy's over on Little Rock Road in, in Charlotte. I was just, I, there again, I, I'm, I'm just a young guy, 23, 24 years old. Ryan's just, he's maybe two, and, and, and we've, got, we've got Natalie, and my mother-in-law is there with us. And Ryan did something, and he did it again, and it's like he did it multiple times, and we had told him, stop, stop, don't do that. He kept doing it. And it just, all of a sudden, I just reached over and popped him on the leg. And this woman looked at me like, like I had done the most horrible thing in the world. Don't even know me. Looks from the other table and just sticks her nose up. I said, lady, you're next. Of course, my wife and my mother are like, oh, dear Lord. God. I've learned I don't do that stuff anymore. People shoot you these days. You're like, you're naked. They'll pull out their, you know. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Why is it that we so will take on what the enemy says when God's trying to bring correction? God's trying to get our mindset changing. And I was thinking about this. You're going to have to change your mind about some stuff. <laughs> oh. You wouldn't want to spend a day in this mind, I'm telling you right now. You just wouldn't want to do it. The juggling and the things and this and that and all the other. And I'm like, God, what, what, what is it that I'm going to have to change my mind about? What is it that, that is so necessary? 
One of the things that the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me about, well, it's, 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 it's what you say sometimes. You don't even catch yourself doing it, but you're saying it. And you need to be careful what comes out of your mouth because once it comes out of your mouth, it's there and it starts a base. It starts a foundation. And, and an establishment can start to build on what you just said. You say, well, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, uh, do you believe your pastor when I tell you that God is doing a new thing among us? Do you believe me when I say that I believe God can still heal cancer? Okay. If you can believe that, then why in the world can we not talk to ourselves in faith? And instead of believing everything that the enemy says, and he's going to talk to you. He is going to, that, that master of deception, he is a liar. Jesus said the truth does not reside within him. He is a liar. Now, some of you going to walk out here and say, can I go confess that Mercedes Benz? That's not what I'm telling you. You know, get a job, and you might can afford the Mercedes Benz. I'm talking about when things come your way, don't just jump on board with the deceptor and say, well, I guess that's just the way it is. Let me just go ahead. Let me get my funeral plot picked out because, well, I'm going to die. Listen, I will live and not die and declare the wonderful works of the Lord. <laughs> I'm just saying there are things in this book, truth, and we need to put truth to work. And we need to be talking to ourselves in faith. As Christians, we are like our Father in heaven who spoke life into existence through his words. We bring life or death by our words. Understand this. If I don't keep a tight rein on my tongue, if I don't control the words that I speak, I will not only spread death, but I will fall into deception there's an illustration of a school teacher who lost everything she lost her life savings in a business scheme that had been elaborately explained by a swindler when her entire investment disappeared and her dream was shattered she went to the better business bureau and 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 they looked at her and they said why on earth did you not come to us from the beginning and share with us we could have we could have helped you avoid all of this she said oh yes i've always known about you but i didn't i didn't come because i was afraid you would talk me out of it and tell me not to do it and that's how a lot of Christians live. That's how they live. The deception of the evil one. What brings about deceptions in our lives? It's not just merely listening to the word and, and not obeying it, not keeping a tight rein on our tongue. Here's another one. You cannot depend on your own strength. The prophet Hosea and Hosea 10 and 13 said, But you have planted wickedness. You have reaped evil and have eaten the fruit of deception because you have depended on your own strength and on, many, on your many warriors. He's talking to Israel. They had fallen into deception because they depended upon their own wisdom 
and their strength. And far too many people think that they have, they, they have everything they need is because they've earned it and it's theirs. And one of the simplest ways to know if, if you're not deceived or thinking what you have is because you earn it. It's all you. It, it, it's, this, it's simple. Do you tithe? Because if you believe that God can take care of you, then you ain't afraid to tithe. Because you know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And when you really depend and trust, listen, it is the plan of God. It is the riches of God. It is the gifting of God that, that has established you and given you the, the, the increase into your life. He, it is the gift of God that he's placed upon you. But when you tithe and you give, you're saying to God, you know what? I know I didn't get here by myself. I trust you. I trust you. And so you release the tithe to him. What are, what, are, what are some of the results from being conquered by a giant of deception? What are some of the results? We damage our relationship with God, and if it continues long enough to ultimately destroy the relationship that we have with others, Romans 1, 21 through 24, for although God knew for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over into their sinful desires of their heart. They knew God in the sense they had a knowledge of God. It's the same Greek word that Matthew used to instruct us that Joseph, when he described Joseph and Mary, and he said that Mary and Joseph knew one another, but not in the place of intimacy. So somebody can know about God, but if they don't have the intimacy that comes with it, then all they've got is a head knowledge of God. And if all you have is just a head knowledge of God and you don't have the intimacy that goes with it, you are deceiving yourselves. There was a great minister who served in the 15th centuries, one of the greatest preachers of the 15th centuries, as a matter of fact. He preached in the great cathedral of Florence, Italy, where, which contained a magnificent marble statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary. When this minister started preaching at this great cathedral, he noticed one day that there was an elderly woman praying every day before this statue of Mary. He then began to notice that it was her habit. She came every day, and she spent every day there praying before the statue. It so impressed him that he went to an elderly priest who had, it was also serving there in this particular church, and he said, I'm just, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at what I see. He said, I, I notice every day when I, when I come in and out of the building, here is this woman, this elderly woman, Oh, that people would have the, the same desire that she has 
She comes and I see her and she's, she's passionately staring at that statue and she's praying. The elderly priest said, you got it all wrong. He said, when the sculptor created the statue, he needed somebody to model after. And so when she was 23 years old, he brought her into a room and he sculpted what he believed Mary might possibly look like by looking at this woman. And this is what he said. He said, don't be deceived by what you see here. You see, this devout worshiper you see every day is that young woman. And she is worshiping who she used to be, not who she is. And when I read that, I thought to myself, how many people, they have a knowledge of who God is, but they don't have the intimacy. In order to know the the intimacy of who God is, you've got to get along with him. You've got to go into his presence. You've got to spend time in the presence of the Lord. You've got to clear your schedule. You've got to push back the plate from time to time. And you have to go where where maybe you've never been before and spend time in the presence of God. And by the way, when when we go into those times where we spend in the presence of the Lord, it's not always us coming in there with our to-do list and our want list and and need list. But we go sometimes and all we do is sit in the presence of God and the Lord begins to bathe us in his righteousness and in his truth and in his favor until we have true intimacy with God we're missing something we're missing something the picture that the Bible gives us is a picture of God's heart if you know anything about the parable of the prodigal son the father was waiting for the son to come home Isaiah the prophet described the, the, the stature of the Lord. He said, and his arms are outstretched, reaching for rebellious children. He has engraved us. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. He has engraved us on the palms of his hands. When you think about the fact that Jesus became sin so that we might have intimacy with God. So that we don't have to live under the power of a deceptor in this day and age. Paul said, oh, that I may know him. How did Paul want to know him, Pastor? In the fellowship of his sufferings. Intimately. He wanted to know him. Father, we are but clay in the hands of a potter this morning. Some of us are at a crossroads right now. We're at a place where we need the power of the Holy Spirit to search the innermost beings and thoughts of our hearts. Lord, the Holy Spirit 
is with us. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. The words of Jesus. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. Help us this morning to change our minds about some things. Oh God, it is so easy to be angry. It's so easy to be angry about things that are going on around us. It's so easy to be at odds with somebody because of what they've said or done or actions that they've brought against us. It's easy for us to stand off and judge it. That's the nature we fight all the time. We fight that nature. As a pastor, God, more and more and more, I find myself in that chasm of your presence where I say, not my will, but thine be done. I don't want my way. I want your way. Help me not to be judgmental. Help me not to be deceived by the deceptor, the evil one, the giant. He's sort of the elephant in the room this morning. We've been dealing with giants for four weeks, Lord. We've dealt with the giant of religion. We've dealt with the giant of fear. We've dealt with a giant of discouragement. And as we deal with this giant of deception this morning, help us to take that smooth stone out of our pouch today. Help our aim to be on target and anointed by the power of the Holy Ghost. That we can put that stone exactly where it needs to be. And that that giant of deception would come down in our lives. Help us not to be deceived. Your word tells us God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You're not deceived this morning. You know my heart. You know the heart of every person in this room. You know the hearts of those, God, that are viewing this live stream or Facebook Live and those this week that will go back and watch this again. I pray the Holy Spirit would loose us to liberty and freedom in you. So that the song we sang a while ago about the supernatural, we don't want anything to hold up what you're doing. We don't want one thing to stand in the way of the goodness and the power and the mercy of God. Oh God, cleanse me this morning. Wash me. Help my speech to be God's speech. My thoughts to be God's thoughts. My actions to be God's actions. To love my neighbor as myself. To forgive even if forgiveness isn't given 
in return. We are in need of your presence. We, Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, cause this giant to fall. Cause this giant to fall. Give us authority to take him down. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You want to deal with a giant this morning? I want you to make your way. Come stand in this front with me. Just get up and move. Start moving. This is going to be a test this morning. See if you really truly believe the word of the Lord concerning this giant of deception. Come on. Let's slay a giant this morning. Let's slay a giant. Say, Pastor, I don't want to. Really? Yeah. Well, now you're not the first. Come on. Ice is broke. Come on. This is one of those services where I feel like there is something that is hanging over the top of us. (laughs) It's evermore going to change the fabric of who we are. I just feel like that there's some people in this room. You need to move. You need to move today. Holy Spirit. Gonna wait. Gonna wait. Yeah. Yeah. Draw me nearer, Lord. There's more coming. Come on. I believe the word this morning. I believe the word this morning. Come on. Draw me near to your presence today, Lord. There need to be people moving right now. Come on. You need to be moving this morning.
and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be Stand with me all over the congregation this morning. We want to pray for Xavier today. We know the miracle that he is. We know what God has done in his life. We're asking the Holy Spirit. We're asking you, Father, right now for completeness of your healing touch in his life. We know that you are more than enough. We've seen what you have done thus far. We know that you are working in ways that we cannot even see. And the fact that he's standing on this platform right now, God, is proof positive that you are a miracle-working God. That you are at work, and we thank you for the power of your spirit. God supernaturally continue to work in his life continue to bring healing manifest your presence in Jesus name in Jesus name to you be glory almighty God to you be glory almighty God Let 
Sing that with Steve, would you, at the cross? At, at the, the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Lord, we thank you for the goodness of who you are. Continue to let us be overcoming against these giants. I pray this week, Lord, that someone will find total victory against this giant of deception. May the truth of the Holy Spirit come to light in every situation. Lord, we give you honor. We give you praise. We magnify you today. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said amen.
and amen. God bless you. I'll see you Wednesday evening, Lord willing, or next Sunday. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.